0: You always have to test your confirmation bias. Is this something you want to believe? If it's something you want to believe, most people will stop looking at that point. They'll say, ah, I've got the data now. I'm going to go publish this online. I'm going to make a post. I'm going to make a meme. But you're going to be embarrassed because other people that have other biases are going to find the the rebuttals. (laughs) The Rational View is a weekly series hosted by me, Dr. Alan Scott, providing a rational, evidence-based perspective on important societal issues produced by soapbox media the world needs evidence-based public policy now more than ever making the right decisions should not be partisan politics please help spread the rational view by going to patron.podbean.com slash the rational view together we can make a better future Hello and welcome to another episode of The Rational View. I'm your host, Dr. Al Scott. In this episode, I want to illustrate for you my research process by focusing on a controversy that came to light uh, following my recent interview of Dr. Peter Butt, chairman of the group responsible for Canada's new tightened guidelines on healthy drinking. As always, these... Um, Polarizing topics tend to uh, breed controversy. There are motivated reasoners on both sides of the issue. And we have to be very careful in in, uh, cases of real scientific conflict to push down our confirmation bias, because there are uh, important points on both sides of the issue. The International Scientific Forum on Alcohol Research, or ISFAR, has recently published a stinging critique of the newly released Canadian guidance on alcohol and health. In the critique, former forum chair R. Curtis Ellison stated, quote, I am appalled by the conclusions of the authors of this paper. They present a pseudoscientific amalgamation of selected studies of low scientific validity that fit their preconceived notions and ignore many high-quality studies whose results may not support their own views. This critique was widely published in the National Post newspaper in an article by Chris Selly entitled, A Scorching New Critique of Canada's Alcohol Guidelines. I want to believe them, so I need to be very careful about my confirmation bias. What's the truth and how do we find out? If you like what you're hearing, please press like on your podcast app Please come join us on Facebook uh, at The Rational View and share your discussion with us. We would love to hear your inputs and um, discuss these important issues. So, digging into this particular issue, I asked ISFAR for a representative to come chat with me to discuss their criticisms, but nobody uh, had the time to come on the show. Uh, I asked Dr. Butt for his feedback on this criticism, and I said, In your interview you claim to be using a net health lens and that was the words he used but my understanding is that your risk guidelines are based on risk versus dose for a set of known alcohol-linked health impacts. In effect they're only looking at things that they know alcohol makes bad but they weren't looking at the net health benefits uh, that are supposedly associated with heart health. So um, I think there's many studies that show something like a 30 to 50 percent decrease in uh, mortality from, from heart uh, problems uh, amongst moderate drinkers. So, Doctor Butts' response was that is correct. Using all cause mortality includes confounding data. We examined the dose relationship with only those conditions that are causally associated with alcohol. Corrected for known confounding factors such as BMI, body mass index, smoking, cancer, genetics, etc. This gives a clearer view on the impact on health for all of these conditions. The ISFAR group is an alcohol-funded organization that quotes each other in their biased articles. They have been discredited academically. Now, these are some uh, strong uh, statements ISFAR members have been criticized publicly as having conflict of interest due to funding from the alcohol industry. Now, the organization itself, I don't believe, is funded uh, from the alcohol industry. It's a group of volunteers. But many of the members have published papers showing that moderate alcohol consumption improves life expectancy. And they had received study funding from the alcohol industry perhaps as a result of their positive spin papers, perhaps uh, motivated their positive spin papers. But this has been uh, widely discussed online, the um, potential conflicts of interest. And this is something that you have to look at because confirmation bias is such a strong thing. So um, many of these ISFAR members have published regarding the J-curve, links between alcohol and life expectancy, links to the Mediterranean diet, which show that Alcohol is supposedly protective of coronary artery disease. In 2021, 22, however, the World Health, the World Heart Federation, came out with a policy statement that says that alcohol is not good for the heart. Now, Isfar claims that the committee refer to, or Dr. Butts' committee refers to contentious papers that consistently use now widely debunked arguments around the sick quitter hypothesis. What is the sick-quitter hypothesis and how does it uh, bias the so-called J-curve of dose versus response? In other words, so that moderate drinkers seem to have longer life expectancies. So to investigate possible links between alcohol consumption and health outcomes, researchers often compare the health of moderate drinkers to non-drinkers, which is, you know, you need a control group. This is part of science. And the complaint is that non-drinkers includes people who have given up drinking due to health problems. And this biases the result of moderate drinkers' health to non-drinkers, because the non-drinkers include sick quitters. So this may seem logical. There are characteristics of the population of people that don't drink that actually skew comparisons. There could also be socioeconomic drivers linked to moderate drinking that also might influence long-term health. You know, if you're more well-off, you may be more likely to drink a moderate amount over time. And you may, uh, you're also linked to better health outcomes in that case. So often these people that give up drinking do so, especially when they get older, due to health conditions such as, um, you know, stroke or uh, heart disease or, or whatever, Similarly, the demographic of people who have never had a sip of alcohol sometimes have underlying health conditions that prohibit them from drinking. So how do we get to the bottom of this statistically? So in a recent study, researchers found that a variety of health conditions appeared to prompt older adults to quit drinking. Uh, and these are heart disease, diabetes, stroke, memory loss, depression. Uh, so how do we get to the numbers though. So what I want to do is show you how I went through the data since I couldn't get someone from this far to come and talk to us. um, How do we go through the data? So let's go, what I do is go back to the primary papers that are being referenced in the news story. So you start with a news story and you look at the paper and then you go online and search for the paper. So the first paper that I want to talk about was a 2016 paper uh, published by, um, written by Stockwell et al., so, et al. means a bunch of other authors. And the title was, Do Moderate Drinkers Have Reduced Mortality Risk? A Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis of Alcohol Consumption and All-Cause Mortality. Now, systematic reviews and meta-analyses are where people scan the literature for several studies to try and improve the statistical significance. And what they'll do is they'll set a bunch of rules um, to make sure that the studies that they're including have similar uh, quality and similar um, things that are being studied so that they can incorporate them and improve the statistical significance over single studies. And this is why we don't use single studies as the basis of any conclusions in science, because single studies typically need to be supported by the weight of evidence. And as more studies um, are gathered, more data is gathered, the, the results become more statistically significant. And especially with, you know, small s- small impacts like, you know, uh, moderate drinking and, and mortality, it's very difficult to tease out a statistically significant effect uh, due to all of the confounding factors and all of the other associations that might be confounding your data. So I want to go right straight to this paper. So I looked I searched online for this paper and I got the abstract. So when you're looking through scientific papers, you get most of your information from the abstract. You read the abstract to tell, is this applicable to what you're studying? And if it is, then you can read the conclusion to see what's the result. And if you need to, you can go and read all of the methodology and the discussion in the paper. But typically you only do that for a small fraction of papers or you'll get bogged down and lost. And one of the hard parts in understanding scientific papers is understanding the terminology, because there's all sorts of terminology that you learn from statistics and from the particular fields that make it difficult for, for laymen to to get into the papers. So, you know, if you need a, a dictionary with you almost sometimes to, to get into some of these fields and understand what they're saying. And a lot of the times then they use acronyms to keep people out of the fields. And you don't want that. That's not good. So I'm going to read this one paper by Stockwell. It's all the meta-analysis. So abstract. Our objective. Previous meta-analyses of cohort studies. So cohort is looking at a group of people uh, with some sort of common underlying factor and following their health as they go. Previous meta-analyses of cohort studies indicate a J-shaped relationship between alcohol consumption and all-cause mortality with reduced risk for low-volume drinkers. However, low-volume drinkers may appear healthy only because the abstainers with whom they are compared are biased towards ill health. The purpose of this study was to determine whether misclassifying former and occasional drinkers as abstainers and other potentially confounding study characteristics underlie observed positive health outcomes for low-volume drinkers in prospective studies of all-cause mortality. And it's difficult sometimes to parse these things because they have very long sentences with very big words. Um, but overall, they're going to try and look at the cohort studies and remove the bias. So their method, a systematic review of meta regression analyses of studies investigating alcohol use and mortality risk after controlling for quality-related study characteristics was conducted in a population of almost 4 million individuals, among whom 367,103 deaths were recorded. The results, um, they go through results, about um, 87 included studies were replicated. The classic J-shaped curve with low-volume drinkers having reduced mortality risk. And their relative risk they measured was only 86%, whereas I've seen other studies showing 50%. So take that as it were, occasional drinkers had similar mortality risk and former drinkers elevated risk. After adjustment for abstainer biases and quality related study characteristics, no significant reduction in mortality was observed for low volume drinkers. So they didn't find any extra deaths or any reduction in death rate for low volume drinkers. Analysis of higher-quality bias-free studies also failed to find reduced mortality risk for low-volume alcohol drinkers. Risk estimates for occasional drinkers were similar to those for low- and medium-volume drinkers. and the conclusion, estimates of mortality risk from alcohol are significantly altered by study design and characteristics. Meta-analyses adjusting for these factors find that low-volume alcohol consumption has no net mortality benefit compared with lifetime abstention or occasional drinking. These findings have implication for public policy, the formulation of low-risk drinking guidelines, and future research on alcohol and health. So here we have it. Is this the final word? No. Next, what you want to do is, you know, you always have to test your confirmation bias. Is this something you want to believe? If it's something you want to believe, most people will stop looking at that point. They'll say, ah, I've got the data now. I'm going to go publish this online. I'm going to make a post. I'm going to make a meme. But you're going to be embarrassed because other people that have other biases are going to find the re- the rebuttals. So I searched for rebuttals and in the article that I looked at uh, the the journal showed referenced showed studies that reference this one and you can go through the titles and find responses. And here's one. Isfar published the following letter to the editor of the Journal of Studies on Alcohol and Drugs entitled Comments on moderate alcohol consumption and mortality. And in this criticism, I went and looked it up online. They claim that Stockwell has been too selective in their data. They've excluded many good studies. They only selected 87 out of 2,575 studies that met their criteria. So the, cl- the claim is that they're cherry picking the data. Their claim is that Stockwell is picking, has designed their criteria to only pick studies that support their conclusion that uh, moderate alcohol doesn't help you. Uh, And in this letter, you know, ISFAR has been uh, criticized for conflicts of interest. They, They have a very large conflict of interest statement in this, outlining the funds that ISFAR members had received from the industry prior to 2013. So is this the final word? No, no. Stockwell et al. published a response in 2016 in the same journal. And the title of that response was, ISFAR doth protest too much. Another attempt from industry sympathizers to marginalize scientific skepticism about alcohol's hypothesized health benefits? In their response, I looked this one up as well. They defend their selection of studies and point out that careful analysis of the literature shows that the J-curve data also points to a long list of implausible or impossible conditions against which alcohol Low-dose alcohol appears to protect, for example, birth defects, cancer, and liver cirrhosis. So they're saying that their sick-quitter hypothesis is more likely because the J-curve shows that alcohol prevents cancer or, or moderate alcohol prevents cancer and liver cirrhosis and birth defects. And th- this is very similar to the discussions surrounding uh, low dose rate radiation in cancer, as well, in some ways. And the problem is that it's so difficult to get rid of all the confounding factors when the significant effects are so small. So, going on about Stockwell's response, we found 87 studies quantifying the relationship between alcohol consumption and mortality substantially more than any previous review. We replicated the J shaped curve and then presented theory driven analyses that controlled for methodological problems either statistically or by selection of higher-quality studies. In each analysis, evidence of significant net mortality benefits for low-volume drinkers lessened or disappeared. So, they note that the absence of net benefits for low-volume consumption in their analysis does not rule out the existence of cardioprotection, but they feel it's balanced by other risks of cancer and things like that. So, after this, I looked around for more papers. You know, where where are people? And I look for more recent papers too. You have to look and see that you know once we've realized that this bias, how do uh, more recent papers um, adjust and correct for this? So I looked around. There was a 2014 paper. not really more recent, but in the same time vein. But they, I read the paper, and they were aware of the bias at the time. And the title was alcohol consumption, drinking patterns and ischemic heart disease, a narrative review of meta-analyses, and a systematic review and meta-analysis of the impact of heavy drinking occasions on risk for moderate drinkers. And in this paper, they suggest that uh, they showed that the use of current abstainers as the reference group leads to systematic bias, similar to what Stockwell was showing. And they say, with regard to average alcohol consumption in relation to lifetime abstainers, The relationship is still clearly J-shaped, supported by short-term experimental evidence and similar associations within strata of potential confounders, except among smokers. They also show that binge drinkers do not get the same health effects as those who drink small amounts more frequently. So using just average amount is not a good proxy for the health benefits. And looking around further, you know, there's, you can just you can do this forever and try and get a feel for for you know where the the consensus of scientists' research is leading. As we learn more, we get closer to the truth. I think in in most science fields. And yes, there's bias, and you got to look around before you make your conclusions. So Stockwell and company have continued to pursue their research. In fact, this year in 2023, they published quote, association between daily alcohol intake and risk of all-cause mortality, a systematic review and meta-analysis. So this is an updated systematic review and meta-analysis from their 2016 paper. Um, Daily low or moderate alcohol intake was not significantly associated with all-cause mortality risk, while increased risk was was evident at higher consumption levels. So that's important. They said that low or moderate alcohol intake was not significantly associated with all-cause mortality risk, uh, while increased risk was evident at higher consumption levels starting at lower levels for men for women than men. So what does this mean? As I said, this is very similar to the linear no-threshold uh, controversy in radiation and cancer. Um, very difficult to get statistically significant results for such small effects. And I think we should all consider, if you can't measure it, why is it such a big deal in policy? Do low doses of radiation cause cancer? Can't tell. Do low doses of alcohol cause cancer? Probably. Do low doses of alcohol protect against heart disease? Possibly. Are there other things you should worry about? Most definitely. Cheers to that.